We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Salute to Knicks Nation. CP from Knicks Van TV here. And today's podcast is brought to you by Scotch Porter men's grooming products as you guys know this is the grooming products that i use for my beard i particularly use their premium beard wash conditioner balm and serum and i just love how it makes my beard feel man it it feels soft it's shiny it's smooth smells great and most importantly they use all natural products and for all Knicks Fan TV, the podcast listeners, you can get free shipping on all orders on $50 or more. And also, they always have sales on their beard collections, so definitely check it out. You're going to want to go to www.scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. That's scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. Peace. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Happy Sunday to Knicks Nation. CP from Knicks Fan TV. My man, Jay Ells from Nick of Time Show. Uh, special edition of the podcast. This is another episode of our NBA Draft prospects scouting reports this is the series where we feature special guests the bloggers content creators scouts and the like who cover a lot of the top prospects of the nba draft quite extensively and tonight we have the return of trevor magnati uh he writes for fan-sided and the step back and tonight we're going to talk about uh anthony edwards man jl's anthony edwards uh one of uh the the top picks in the draft potentially the number one pick but also a guy with a lot of question marks, man. So that's why we want to bring Trevor in tonight uh, to talk a little bit about Anthony Edwards. Trevor, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Definitely appreciate it. A lot of the fans, they, they love the Tyrese Halliburton uh, episode that we did. So we figured we, we'd bring you back. Um, so without further ado, let, let's get into Anthony Edwards, man. Um, tell, tell the fans a little bit about Mr. Edwards from Georgia. 
Yeah, so Edwards is the best scorer in this draft by a significant margin. He's probably the only guy that I would say confidently you can project to be a 20-point-per-game scorer in the league, and he's probably going to be around that level right away. Um, You're going to probably see similar impact as a first, second-year player, as we've seen with guys like Trey Young, like R.J. Barrett, like John Morant, as a scorer at the NBA level. Um, He is... 6'5", 225, built like Calvin Johnson and kind of kind of plays like that a little bit too when he gets the ball in his hands running downhill, meaning he can get to the rim at will if he wants to. Um, he has such a quick first step, um, a really good handle as well to throw defenders off balance, and he, when he has a head of steam, is very difficult to stop going towards the rim and is a very good finisher once he's there. Um, also has a very good shot diversity um he's able to get to a lot of different types of pull-up jumpers which is really exciting um for watching him he has a good three-point shot although i don't think that he's like a true shooter type i think he's going to be more of a guy who's going to mostly go to that off of pull-ups um late in the shot clock is when he's going to go to his uh pull-up three early on um but he's definitely a three-level scorer prospect um and i think is probably the best scoring prospect that we have in this draft. There's a lot to like about him, man. As you said, certainly capable at all three levels. I love the I love his quick first step. Um yeah. can beat anybody off of the dribble. Has the size, JL is 6'5, 220 something. He's ready to go um, you know, rookie year. And uh and transition as well. You know, obviously from Nick's standpoint, that's something that we're looking for. Somebody that can continue to push the pace, uh, grab a board and get it and go. We've seen RJ um capable of doing that this year. Uh, I think Edwards can certainly help us in, in that fashion as well. Jails. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, I, I like what he I like what he can bring to the Knicks as well. Uh, I guess my question for you would be his fit with R.J. Barrett. I know this, it seems like, you know, he likes to have the ball in his hands, you know. Um, but the way he likes to have the ball in his hands and the way R.J. seems to like to have the ball in his hands as well, do you see any kind of conflict with those two sharing the court together? That question's for Trevor, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that the fit between those two guys is really – interesting because it's really going to depend on how they develop. I think right now, initially, I would see some significant problems with putting those two guys together. These are both guys who are most comfortable with the ball in their hands, creating shots for themselves. Um, Edwards probably has a little bit more versatility in terms of his ability as a slasher. Um, You can kind of use him off ball cutting to the rim and he can be pretty effective. Barrett, meanwhile, I think has much, a much better chance of becoming like a pretty good spot up shooter. Um, But really, I think my big question is less so the, like his turn, my turn, I, question which could come up and more just how do those two guys if they're working together get the rest of the team involved both of them have issues i think in terms of their court vision and their feel for the game in terms of looking for the easy second option when their primary scoring option for themselves doesn't present itself or is well defended i kind of worry about the potential that things kind of get bogged down and a lot of the other guys on the floor don't really get an opportunity to be involved in lineups where barrett and edwards are sharing the floor together um just because i 
really don't think either of those two guys is a great decision maker. Barrett, I think, is a little bit better in that regard. I think that Edwards definitely can get some tunnel vision at times um, and really has significant problems with his feel for where his teammates are on the floor. And I think that that would be my biggest question moving forward if that was a pairing um, would be how do does at least one of those guys develop to become kind of the initiator who gets the rest of the offense involved because you can have one of those guys. Um, I mean, you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors when they had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, Mm -hmm. both guys who are going to look to get their own shot a fair amount. And DeRozan really struggled to get the rest of his teammates involved. But you had Lowry there to act as the facilitator. You really can't make that work if you have two guys who are kind of black holes on offense. So I worry about that potential fit and whether – one of those guys can become a high enough level distributor and facilitator to be able to make a functional offense around those two guys. And Edwards took 32% of Georgia's shots when he was on the floor this year, JL's 29.5% usage rating. That was good for top five in the SEC. Uh, Trevor, you had mentioned his his on-court awareness, and and that was kind of uh, evident to me when I was watching some of his games and also some of his highlights. It seemed like he left some plays out there on the floor. Um, A lot of times, even in transition, you know, trying to force a bucket when he had an easier pass to be made. Um, I mean, is, is that a real concern among some of the people that you're talking to? Or, or do you think, you know, that's something that can improve with, with age and maturity? I think he can definitely improve, but it is definitely a concern. You know, he we talked about at the beginning of the, of this you know, how he's built like a freight train and can get to the rim whenever he wants. But there's an emphasis put on whenever he wants. Too many times he tried to operate with fancy footwork on the perimeter, throwing a guy off balance. And instead of trying to go to the rim where he had almost a sure two points, he would take step back threes and he would go to um, pull up jumpers. And you can you need that in your arsenal. If you're going to be a three level scorer, you need to be able to do that. But it was the frequency with which he did that when you're built the way that he's built, it's Mm. almost like he doesn't really have a full understanding of what he's good at, Mm. um, that he doesn't really get totally what his biggest strength is. And to me, that's less the pull up shooting and more just the ability to get to the rim at any point, because that's, what's going to cave in an NBA defense. That's what's going to open everything else up for the rest of your offense is not the pull up jumper. That's kind of a last resort. You need to be able to establish. It's kind of like establishing the run in football. You need to be able to establish that rim threat to really matter. And I think that that is kind of the biggest concern for him moving forward is can he, he be able to get his teammates involved but also can he realize that his best weapon is not the pull-up jumper it is yeah. trying to get into the teeth of the teeth of the defense and establishing a high rate of conversion at the rim to be able to set everything else up 50th so not finished i'm sorry no i was saying jail's 50th percentile in spot up jumpers Okay, 50th percentile in college basketball spot up jumpers. So Mm. definitely uh, needs to work on that. And and as Trevor says, shot selection, you know, having that size to to know that he can get to the to to the bucket at will. uh, But instead, you know, choosing some more difficult shots. But go go ahead with your question. Oh, so can you said he doesn't go to the rim that often, but can he finish at the rim once he gets there? It was like, what's his percentage rate or? Or just your eye test, if not the percentage rate. 
Oh yeah, he's he's like a seventy percent finisher at the rim at, at least i'm confident that he's going to be able to do that at the nba level i mean he's got really good touch with both hands he's more right hand dominant um which is a little bit easier to defend but when you're built like he is and you can dislodge defenders going towards the rim even bigger guys he's pretty good at throwing at uh, blowing by those guys and being able to kind of knock into those guys and keep propelling forward against contact, which is the main thing you want to be able to see. I think that definitely it's more of a decision-making issue than a uh, skill issue. I think that, w- you know, when you look at a guy like Trey Young, who has the same ki- type of problem where he's a little bit over-reliant on the, um, on the pull-up jumper, you know why that that's happening, and it's because he's tiny. Um, right. Edwards, I think, definitely is able to do that, and I think that he's going to have no problems doing it at the NBA level. It's just a matter of kind of recognizing what the best opportunity is. I mean, the play that sticks out for me from Edwards from this season more than any other is he had a play against Tennessee where he was able to catch a big on a switch, hit him with a quick crossover, got him sprawled all over the court. And instead of driving by into an open lane, actually took a step back into where the defender had fallen. And that ended up disrupting his shot. He still made the three, but he had an obvious path to the rim and just passed it up to be able to go to a fancy uh, step back jumper. And it, it just, plays like that that stick with you when you watch Edwards um, in terms of kind of wondering what his decision making is going to be like at the NBA level. So it just seems like he just he's more uh, he's not reactionary it seems like he seems like he just he, yeah he figure out what move he's going to do and mm-hmm. then he kind of sticks with it no matter what the defense does he just I'm shooting it no matter what got it cool defensively though like how would you say he is defensively um you hear that he's a pretty good defender, yeah. but I'm not sure how consistent. Yeah, that's kind of the not, that's kind of the read on on Edwards on the defensive end of the ball too. Mm-hmm. Is that like when he wants to be, he can be a very good on ball defender. You know, he's very physical, he's very tough, he's good at denying the point of attack, um, good good at you know, bumping guys off of their spot. It's really kind of an effort issue with him. Mm -hmm. And granted, he was carrying a monster usage for Georgia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that factors into things. But, you know, he's going to be carrying a monster usage in the NBA as well. And you need that a guy like that to at least – you know, try more often than not, um, especially when you're built like he is. You want that type of guy to be useful on the defensive yeah. end because he's a guy that you can stick on some of the elite guards in the NBA. And if he's locked in, he can defend them pretty well. It's a question of whether or not the team that drafts him is going to utilize him in that way and kind of force him to grow on that end, or if they're going to kind of fall into the typical, you know, star usage on defense, think like a Russell Westbrook type where Westbrook is a great defender when he wants to be. And he's very good when you stick him on somebody at the point of attack, Mm -hmm. but too often the thunder and now the rockets have tried to hide him off ball to try to conserve energy for him on the offensive end. And I think that he's going to have a similar issue to that where, you know, he, is pr- they're probably going to be in the mind of let's try to save him on defense and not have him get worn down by opposing guards. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I think that he's kind of buys into that as well. So I wonder 
whether or not he's actually going to be useful on the defensive end, even if, you know, on crucial possessions, he probably is going to be a very successful defender when you if you get him locked in. It's a buy-in thing for him yeah. and a usage thing for him on defense much more than like a physical capabilities thing. Oh, I, I mean, another concern with me is, you know, you, you said a lot of a lot of key words is if he wants to or if he buys in, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and we're already going through mm-hmm. sort of that motor issue or that question of motor and, and want with Kevin Knox, you know, and here's a kid you're hearing the same sort of the same things with him is 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 when he wants to be engaged. And that kind of accounts for some of the defensive lapses and even the all, uh, offensive, you know, off-ball um, miscues on, on the court as well as if, if he wants to be engaged. Yeah, I think it's much less of a thing like R.J. Barrett's problem is not effort. R.J. Barrett's mm-hmm. problem is he just fundamentally does not make good reads mm-hmm. as a defender. He will just have moments where his brain short circuits and he makes a massive mental lapse that leads to an open bucket. Edwards doesn't really make those types of miscues. It's mm-hmm. more so he wasn't in the right spot or he wasn't giving maximum effort that leads to the ty- the issues that he- lead to him giving up open baskets. Um, how about the shooting? Uh, does that concern you? I mean, he came in, he's averaging 19 and five, um, 40% from the field, 30% from three, uh, 53% true shooting percentage. They're running a Princeton offense there at Georgia. So, you know, similar systems that he'll see at the next level. But do you see, do the shooting percentages concern you or do you feel like that was, could have been a product of, you know, maybe he's just a freshman. He's, he's taking a lot of the workload on that team and getting a lot of attention. I think it's a shot selection problem. I think that mm. a lot of his threes were coming on those kind of complex pull-ups that we've talked about here, mm. that he's using multiple dribble moves to create space and trying to pull up in the middle of in the middle of those moves and sequences when he's got a defender off balance. And that's inherently a less efficient shot. When he actually got opportunities to catch and shoot, he actually looks pretty good. I think that his form nice. is, is pretty replicable. I think that it's very smooth. Um, he gets good lift on his jumper, so I think that he's going to be comfortable shooting over guys that are closing out on him. I think if you put him in more of an off-ball role um, where he's maybe like a 1B or number 2 option for you, I think that he's going to be able to function as a catch-and-shoot guy. Mm-hmm. I And I think that in transition, he's really good. He has the best transition pull-up three of anybody in the class. Um, just his ability to kind of take those couple steps to gather himself and quickly pull up over a defender when he's coming up the floor is really nice. So I think that he has positive spots from three. I think it's more like a usage thing and how much he was going to that pull up um, out of, you know, complex dribble moves, which are going to drive down your percentages. You know, James Harden is a very good three point shooter, but he never has had really good percentages because of how much of that he's doing. Um, as opposed to like standard catch and shoots, which are going to hit a higher percentage of. So I think that he's going to be a guy who is an effective three point shooter and is going to be able to do that on volume, but is probably going to be a guy that's who's not going to have like a 38, 39% three point percentage for the season. He's probably going to hover more around like 35, 36. And if you're doing that on volume with, with the rest of what he's going to be able to do, I think that's going to be fine. JLC, go ahead with your uh, next question. Um, yeah, no, he kind of read my mind with the, with the catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. I do want to kind of go back with the defense, though, because I know you said um, his, 
Oh, how's his on-ball defense versus his pick-and-roll defense? Because I know you said they're, uh, he's inconsistent. Is there, like, one more stronger than the other? Is there tactical issues with with uh, switching or off-ball, on-ball, pick-and-roll? Yeah, I think I think that he's going to be okay in the pick and roll. Um, again, I think that that's kind of a kind of an effort thing. Is can he put himself in the right uh, right spots consistently? Um, I think I think that he's going to be a guy who, if you ask him to switch, um, he's going to be ca- comfortable handling different types of guys. You know, he definitely has the lateral agility and strength combination to be able to handle a lot of guys at the NBA level. And I think that you can throw him on, you know, taller guys. Like if he, if they're playing the Sixers and he is tasked with defending Ben Simmons on ball, I think that he's going to be comfortable doing that. And then you can throw him the next play on Tobias Harris and then Josh Richardson. And I think you can handle all those types of guys. I think, again, it's just going to be, you know, it's what he can do versus what he will do. Um, it's kind of the ultimate question in terms of how well his on-ball defense is going to project to the NBA. Okay. And I guess one of my other question would to you hear that a lot of people saying he's the, like the, the facto number one. And then you start to hear that people say that maybe LaMelo ball might be that instead of him, where do you stand on Edwards versus ball as far as number one prospect? I can see the argument for either, you know, I think that Edwards is the most talented player in this class. I think that he's the guy who is going to, you know, be the guy, be the guy who makes the most impact in terms of a team's, you know, a team that needs like a number one scorer to build around. He's the guy who I think is going to be that. Whereas ball, I I can definitely see being more of kind of like either a long-term guy who develops into that role or more of kind of like a, like a complimentary guy, like his brother is. Um, I think that the question is whether or not Edwards is the right type of star that you want to build around. I I have no doubt that he's going to be approaching an all-star level player at the NBA level. It's just a matter of, is he the type of guy who you can build a winning team around, or is he the type of guy who can be your number one option, but you're kind of locked into maybe like a sub 500 season if he, if you don't put a ton of talent around him. Um, So I think that there's definitely reasons why certain teams I think will be gravitating towards Edwards. And there are reasons why other teams definitely will gravitate more towards uh, towards ball. I think if you're a team like the Washington Wizards, where you're kind of starting over, you don't know what Bradley Beal's going to be long term. You don't know if he's going to be part of part of the team. You don't know if John Wall's going to come back. You know, Edwards is a pretty decent idea because that's a team that just needs talent to be able to put on the floor and try to build around something. Um, whereas, you know, if you're a team like the Golden State Warriors, where you've got that stuff figured out, um, you definitely have star level talent, but you need kind of those middle pieces to kind of be able to complement those guys. I can definitely see you buying into, you know, Lamella Ball being a better fit than, you know, another scorer type who is going to give you a lot of the same issues that like an Andrew Wiggins who they already have on their team would. So I, I definitely think that 
either is a fine option at number one. Those are the two guys who I would be comfortable taking at number one. There are a couple situations where I think you could argue for some of the other guys at the top. Um, certain teams where, you know, if they want to pull the trigger on Anyeka Kagwu or uh, Denny Abdija, I could understand it. But I think that both those guys, it's kind of even, and it more depends on who is drafting at the top of this yeah. draft, um, who, who I think would be a better fit. It's, it's very interesting, man. This draft is totally interesting in terms of the, the parity um, between all these prospects. Did you did you guys ever read um, John Hollinger did a write-up on Anthony Edwards a couple weeks ago, and he did um, a couple statistical comparisons. Did you guys ever see that? No, I didn't. I'm just pulling it up that. right here. So it's interesting. So so he pulled over the last 10 years, he went back and pulled the stats of similar player comps from players that went to uh, major conference schools and so on. So player A, so he did player A, player B, and player C, right, per 100 possessions. Player A had a 21.4 player efficiency rating, uh, 34.1% from three, 56% true shooting percentage, 30 points a game, 10 rebounds, 2.7 assists. Player B had a 22.6 PER, 31.4 from downtown, 53% true shooting percentage, 33.6 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, 4.9 dimes. Player C had the best player efficiency rating, 23.4, slightly lower uh, three-point percentages at 30.8. 53% true shooting percentage, same as player B. 35 points per game, 11.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists per 100. Player A was Andrew Wiggins. Player B was Anthony Edwards. And JL's player C was R.J. Barrett. I knew it. <laughs> I had a feeling. I was like, yo. Player C was R.J. Barrett. So, you know, I mean, from a shooting standpoint, Obviously, you know, not not advantageous to have you know two guys with similar numbers projecting that way in the league. But that I thought that was pretty interesting um, those comparisons. And then he also pulled out a couple other guys um, statistically, and um, these guys are around. So I, so I mentioned Wiggins, R.J. Barrett, Tim Hardaway Jr., <laughs> Shabazz Muhammad, Josh Jackson. All right. Dwayne Bacon, mm. Josh Okoji, Malik Beasley. We like him. We've been trying to trade for him. Romeo Langford, Alec Burks, Oladipo, all star. Okay. All right. All right. All right. A little better. Kobe White, having a good year. Oh, having yeah. a good rookie year. Bradley Beal, obviously, borderline okay. superstar. Brandon Knight, oof. And, I mean, Kate, and, and, and KCP. All right, the percentages. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, you can point to a high floor. I just, you know, maybe it's just the ceiling's just not clear. Trevor, what do you, what do you think about that list? Yeah, I I think that he's on on the higher side. I I'm not a huge fan of those statistical comps because yeah. especially when you're looking at the college level, it more points to the role that that player played mm-hmm. than it does to like any sort of real like like statistical outcome in, in the NBA. I mm-hmm. mean, you listed off a lot of guys who carry a lot of different roles yeah. in, mm-hmm. in the league um, with, with that list. And I think that when you look at the way that he plays and the way that he wins in the NBA he or in college, I definitely think he strikes me more 
as like a Devin Booker type mm. where, you know, he's a guy who is going to win a lot in the post, is going to uh, win a lot off the dribble, and is going to give you a lot of the same issues in terms of incorporating other guys into the offense and kind of being easy to build around, mm. I, I would say. I, I don't mm. think that there's any question that he is going to put up numbers in the league. It's just, what are those numbers going to mean? So like, I don't think that he's going to be a guy like an Alec Burks who put up good college stats, but has not been able to, you know, get to the rim as well, has not been able to put up good scoring numbers as well in the league. I definitely think that he's more on kind of the upper tier as a producer um, statistically among those guys you listed, but I definitely think that there, you know, there's a running theme on a lot of the guys who were good scorers in that crop, and it was guys who, you know, aren't really impact scorers mm-hmm. in the league. Um, so that I think is kind of where he is going to settle in, um, and kind of why that comparison, you know, ma- makes a bit of sense. I, I think that he's a guy who, you know, he's definitely I think going to be a good scorer. It's just what is that going to mean yeah. um, in terms of team. Elevating, elevating the whole team. Good points, good points, man. Um, well, well, Trevor, did JLC have anything else? Nah, I'm still, I'm still like scared over the Tim Hardaway. <laughs> he's not the Tim Hardaway. I had a flashback. Hey, ex, ex, Mavericks fan. He's an all star, man. So it depends on who you asking, JLC. Okay, all right. Well. <laughs> Trevor, man, we we definitely appreciate the time. Uh, uh let the the fans know where they can find you, man. Yeah, you can find me. I my writing at the step back. Um, this week I should have something coming out. Uh, ranking all or ranking the top thirty draft prospects of the last decade. Um, looking at not how they performed in the NBA, but looking back at how they came into the league as college players and who would be the best. Um, who would be the best? draft prospects if you threw those all those guys into one draft um what order would they go in um so i'll have that coming out this week you can find me on twitter at illegal screens um and hopefully one day we actually have this 2020 nba yeah hopefully see what i see what ends up coming of this very weird bizarre class that we have this bizarre year bizarre class everything but trevor we definitely appreciate the insight and uh we'll we'll certainly flip that article once you release it and, and hopefully we'll have you back on uh, as we get closer to the draft, man. Thanks for thanks again for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All righty, man. Good All right, that was uh, Trevor Magnati of the Step Back Fan Sided. All right, Jails, you, you heard from Trevor. You got his insights on one Anthony Edwards. So yeah. to everybody in the chat, what do you guys think? What do you, what do you guys think, man? Go, go ahead, Jails. What do you think? I mean, I guess, I mean... It's funny because I've heard a, a lot of breakdowns from Anthony Edwards. So this one was interesting. Mm. The biggest thing I took away from it maybe is that there is a chance that he can be able to semi-play off ball. Yeah. That's probably which is encouraging, thing. especially yeah. based off of the usage um that he's sporting with the with the you know low field goal percentage. Right. Because that's my worry. That's that's pretty much my worry if we do draft him. As talented as he is, his mesh with RJ, who's yeah. going to get the ball, who's going to not. Uh, based on the comparisons, I'm a little more comfortable with RJ having the ball 
because I think he has a better shot of making better decisions. But he, he typically makes better decisions when he's the point guard and not necessarily the off-ball guard. So um, it'll still be interesting to see what that combination will bring. If yeah. Anthony it's intriguing, man. It's intriguing. You know, I'll, I'll say this with the with the prospect itself, and then I'll go to the pick. With the prospect, listen, the athleticism is off the charts. Um, the quick first step. The, the kid is a gamer. You know what I mean? He he he, he tries to be a killer. He, he started late. He was a late bloomer. JL's just started really getting into this thing from high school. But okay. the talent, the talent is there. I mean, the, even the numbers, despite the low field goal percentage, you, you can't teach those numbers at the college level. Like the, the kid is a beast. You know yeah. what I mean? But the, you know, certain areas of concern. Obviously, the motor situation. How engaged is he, right? Because like I said, a lot of times when you look at some of these games, you look at some of the film, some of his bad games, you know, could be attributed to, to those things just not really being checked in. Is it Knox level though? I think that's I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying I, yeah. I just say that the Knox thing was a theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I can't compare this this kid. This kid is a dog. You know what I mean? But I'm just mm-hmm. saying the overall theme of just being engaged and, and being checked in. Uh, was something that we're dealing with with Knox, and you just hope that this is not something that follows Edwards at at the next level. Understood. Yeah, I don't think it will be. I yeah. don't think it's going to be as bad as as the Knox thing. I think put him in the right situation. Uh, uh I think he'll be able to perform, if, especially if he doesn't have like a lot of the load on him. I think he'll be alright. Does the fit with the RJ? Well, well, does Trevor's comment on the fit with RJ? Does that bother you guys at all? Um, he he's, he pointed to a lot of similarities in, in their game, which might not translate too well uh, in terms of on-court synergy. Well, the thing is, both of them. He said, he said that um, that Edwards is able to cut off ball. RJ is yeah. able to cut off ball too. So I'm not too worried of RJ. I'm um, cutting. It's just more of Edwards passing. If it's like the my turn, his turn thing, which we don't want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the Edwards hitting like his open and teammates and. Even RJ sometimes, like at the two, he gets a little bit tunnel vision too. Yeah. But then you don't know if that's because, you know, we have Randall and and other players who just don't give the ball back. Once they start <laughs> yeah, <going>. right. <laughs> RJ's like, this is my time, man. This exactly. is my time to shine. Exactly. Let it fly. Let Listen, it fly. in terms of the pick, if he's there, you got to take him. The, to me, there's no trading down. There's no getting tr- trading up, no, no getting cute. If he's there, if you're one, two, or three, uh, let's say probably one. You got to be about one or two, right? Depending on who's picking where. Right. You, you got to pick them. You know, because yeah. we, at this point, we can't get too cute and just go with fit. We got to go best player available because we're also, we, we're lacking talent on this team. I feel like if that's the point, you definitely got, I feel like you got to start Frank if that happens, man. You would I, think so. I, you have to start you, Frank. You would think so. RJ, and, and, um, RJ Randall, Peyton. Edwards. Yeah, you, I feel you have to start Frank, man. But who knows what's going to happen this all season? Yeah. If Peyton is still here or not, uh, who's, who knows? Leon Rose, let us know. <laughs> you you would really need that capable stretch four, that consistent stretch four. If you're, getting, that. if you're getting an Edwards. You need that period. But I'm just saying, if you're getting an Edwards, you really need that. You know, Start Bobby. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that one, man. 
I don't know, but this 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 is gonna be very interesting, JLS. A lot of these GMs are basically gonna be drafting, not necessarily blind because you still got tape from the season, right? But mm-hmm. no March Madness, no conference tournaments, especially for Georgia. They weren't gonna make the NCAA tournament without winning the SEC conference tournament, but. Just not having that film on them. The international guys not having as much as you would like. It's going to be very, very interesting to see um, how these guys evaluate the talent. And from a Knicks standpoint, Jay Ellis, does Ninja P get retained for this? Yeah, man. I kinda... Is Ninja P going to be in the war room whenever this draft takes place? I know people are kind of down on him with the draft, but I don't think he's as bad as people are saying because like we got Mitch because of Ninja P, man. Like Ninja yeah, P. if you look at Mitch at ISO, you can say okay, but you know, obviously the Knox pick people are still down on as right. as they compare him to uh, Michael Porter Jr. and SGA as well. So this is still left to be seen, man. It still has to be seen. I kind of feel like when it comes to the second round picks, those gems, those cheap gems, I feel like that's when we can really do some damage, and I feel like. Our guys, our scouting team has been done a decent job. I'm still, I'm still really wanting to see what's going to happen when we get um, Iggy up here, man. Because even yeah. Spencer was talking about how he feels like Iggy will be the uh, our highest value pick that the Knicks has ever drafted. And um, interesting, I just to see what he does. Maybe remember we said that. Interesting, interesting. And I asked him too. I was like, even over Mitch, and yeah. he kind of like paused a little bit. And I felt like mm. he was still thinking that he might be a higher value trip. Why you pick at the second round in Mitch? On a big board, say Knicks, let's say the Knicks are picking. Let's say they're picking second. Let's say Golden State goes Wiseman. Because when they go Edwards, I don't really see it. Maybe they do, but let's say they go Wiseman. And number two's there. Knicks, Den- I feel like they might go Denny, yo. Who, Warriors? Yeah. Certainly possible. Certainly, possible. I feel like that's the best fit to me. I got to think with them, how motivated are they to flip that pick with Wiggins for a Towns or a Beal? You know, do they try that again? No, well, obviously you wouldn't flip the Wiggins for the Towns, but maybe maybe a Beal trade. Like, do they really do they want to go young with with this draft pick, or they do they want to package that for that's, an established that's a good star? Question. That's a great question. Because to be honest with you. I'm not even sure they really wanted the Wiggins pick that man that bad. Do you think they? I don't, think, I don't so. think so. I think that was just another asset they were collecting. Exactly. You know, just like Russell, I think they they're trying to flip this into something that they can eventually be happy with. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I don't feel like Wiggins is that big of a value pick either. So I don't know yeah. what look at that. Well, anyway, all right. So let's say they they pick Wiseman. So at number two, Knicks are there on the clock. You got Edwards. You got Lamelo. Some of you guys, you got Killian. Some of you guys that rate him as highly, you got Obi there. Mm. What what would your your big board ranking look like between Edwards, Lamelo, Killian, Obi Toppin? Those those four uh, for the Knicks. How would you prioritize that? Man, I think I'm gonna go Edwards, Lamelo, Kill. I already know mine. Edwards, yeah. Lamelo, Killian, Obi. Edwards, Lamelo, Killian, and Obi. Yep. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Edwards, Lamelo, Killian, Obi. I would. I Edwards, think. I, yeah, I would go. I think I would go the same. I would go the same. I would go the same. 
I, Edwards I would go to Zane because Edwards, like I said, the talent you, you gotta you gotta take you gotta take the talent on and figure it out later. Uh, Lamelo, I'm going because I just feel like he's the best playmaker in the draft. Right. And yes, the fall there's an issue, but it's a concern. But you know, can't get any worse. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what tails it. Can't get any worse. Then I'll go Killing. Then I'll go Ob. I, I think Ob's probably the safest pick. Yeah, Ob or Edwards are, are probably the safest. Edwards having the most talent, and then obviously Lamelo and and Killian certainly fit one of your needs. Yeah, I kind of feel like Ob and Ob would fit as well, well too, man. I feel like Ob would fit pretty definitely good with no problems. Lamelo would fit pretty well. I think um, if there was an off day, his pops would uh, provide some entertainment for the post game live show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and get the coach fired. Exactly, exactly. So this is like you know, like if if the Knicks going on another crazy losing streak, and then Lavar hits the, the the internet and the media, it's gonna be late in post game line. So that's that's an extra. You know what I'm saying? It is interesting, man. Absolutely interesting. But hey, let's see, uh, let's see what happens, Jails. Um, you know, we, we're still at a standstill in terms of the league. But uh, did you read this article with ESPN? So ESPN has been watching closely, not ESPN, the NBA has been watching closely what China has been doing with their basketball league or what they're trying to do in terms of reopening um, the league. And so now the NBA is considering basically setting up camp in two cities (laughs) where all the teams can go to to practice and then ultimately play their games between two arenas. Man, I don't see that one working, Jails. With no fans. Play again, play in front of no fans in two empty arenas in two cities that would house all the teams. I mean, listen, CP. I know it's not ideal. No fans. But at this point, I think basketball is basketball. People just want something at this point. People like, just want something, man. I, I just don't see it working. Remember that? I mean, the players' union has to agree to all these things, all these changes. You know. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's, it's going to get very interesting. But uh, And Dolan has Dolan has coronavirus too, JLs? Yeah. Dolan has coronavirus. You got Starberry out here trying to source 10 million uh, face masks from China. I like it. He's trying to be the plug. Starberry's yeah. trying to be the plug to save us. Yeah, we all need a plug, man. We Starberry's all need a plug. He's, he's the ambassador of China. If anybody yeah. can do it, he can. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So, anyway, uh, we'll be back, JLS, Wednesday night. Let's do the Q&A again, man. Me, you, CK, 2K. Thought the last episode was great that we did last Wednesday. So, let's do it again. We're going to end this one early. But for everybody in the chat, let us know your thoughts. Anthony Edwards, uh, the rest of the draft series, you can catch it uh, after this show. So, make sure you catch up on the full series. And uh, yeah, Wednesday night, JL. So you want to shout out, man? Yo, shout out to everybody in chat. Hold me down, Fitz Alexander, editor. Hold me down as well, John Talento. I like you too, man. You jump in chat, chat. A guy, young Simba is back. Yeah, shout out to you, my guy, Gregory Lee. <laughs> my guy, Will from LI. Always show me love. Shout out to you guys as well. Yeah, everybody, everybody represents. Yes, sir. 
Absolutely, man. And uh, remember to everybody in the chat, salute to everybody in the chat. Remember, these shows are available in audio podcast format, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, and Stitcher. That's all on the Knicks Fan TV. You can catch the links in the chat. So remember that they're also available in audio podcast format for your convenience. Salute to all the mods once again, pal, Delano, TM, Dave, uh, Jack Peters, everybody that came in. Alexei, I'll see you. Delano, Jason M, appreciate it. Uh, they want to do the next series on Tyrese Max, CJ Ellis. Okay. Maybe, maybe we do Ty. Maybe, maybe we just capture all three of those Kentucky guards in one episode. You got Hagens, Quickly, and Maxi. Well, maybe we'll get uh, a Kentucky blogger, somebody. Uh, we'll check with Spencer, see what his schedule's looking like. But uh, maybe we'll get somebody to cover the Kentucky players. I know people still want to talk about James Wiseman as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a couple more. But, yeah, whatever you guys want to request, throw it in the chat or throw it in the video after we go off the air. And remember to catch up on the previous shows. You can hit the eye icon at your top right-hand side of the screen and catch up on the previous shows that we did. So, we'll see you guys uh, Wednesday night, man. Be safe out there. Peace.